Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, July 10th, 2023, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this week we are continuing our study of 1st, 2nd Timothy, as well as Titus, and specifically today we are continuing our study on 2nd Timothy, and we will be in 2nd Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 18. Well, after encouraging Timothy to fan into flame the faith in the gospel that had been passed on by his grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, Paul tells Timothy not to be timid, but to have power, love, and self-control. And as we continue in verses 8 through 18, we will see Paul give Timothy three imperatives and exhortations. And it becomes obvious why Paul wanted Timothy to be brave, because ultimately the mission of spreading the fragrant aroma of Christ to the nations was at hand. And also, as, as Paul would tell Timothy, Further on in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Paul was already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of his departure had come. He had fought the good fight, he had finished the race, and he had kept the faith. And so now Timothy needed to be brave because the mission was urgent. And just like Timothy, we need not fear because the urgent mission we have been called to in this mission The Lord is ultimately in control. And so we do not shrink back and we do not fear because we are brave knowing that God is in control. And so we pick up with verse 8 and we see the word therefore. Some of your versions may say so. In other words, this is flowing from being brave in the Lord. Fan into flame your faith. Do not be timid. Be brave. Why? Therefore, verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy cause. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard into that day what has been entrusted to me. So follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and, and the love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Aniferous, for he refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service that he rendered in Ephesus. So three exhortations or encouragement that flow from being brave in the Lord. The first is we must not be ashamed of the gospel. Timothy was in a tough city, Ephesus. Ephesus contained many competing religious systems and worldviews. It was a city full of idols. It was in Ephesus that, that they mocked and ridiculed the crucifixion. They believed the Christ was, the cross was foolishness. And you know that, that Timothy would have been mocked for his firm belief in the crucified Messiah who had raised us, who had raised Christ from the dead. But as we live very much in the same time where our biblical beliefs are mocked and ridiculed, being called archaic and rigid, we know that the spirit of this age, 
that nothing uh, that, that nothing besides intolerance of another person's preferences is actually to be called out. All people this culture teaches are inherently good and able to choose their own way. Culture says it's our body, and we are not wrong or sinful to do or pick whatever we may choose. But, beloved, this flies in the face of the gospel, which says we are all sinners and have fallen short. We are bought with a price, and our bodies are not our own. We are made in the very image, nature, and likeness of God. Culture sees this as primitive, ignorant, and foolish to believe such things, especially when we don't just believe them, but we stake our life on them. And Paul exhorts us, do not be ashamed about the testimony of our Lord in verse 8. And then furthermore, in verse 12, he says, I suffer this way because I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Or as Jesus says in Mark 8, 38, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And so Paul tells the church at Rome, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For why? It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. So in the context of this letter, Paul is in chains and people were abandoning him. But more tragically, they were abandoning the gospel. Their belief was on feelings and show. But Paul was not in prison to earn the praise of men, but out of honor and obedience to his Savior. Oh, beloved, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel, but we must stake our lives in this gospel. But then second, we must be willing to suffer for the gospel. And Paul says that. He reminded of of, of the suffering that will come. That suffering for the gospel is not just by ourselves, but it's by the power of God. And we must be willing to suffer for the gospel. We endure that suffering by the power of God. We have great strength to persevere amidst our frequent and many weaknesses. That's why Paul tells the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamity. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, beloved, Jesus is enough. We suffer for the gospel. Remember that we have the privilege to share in the sufferings of Christ and to be empowered to endure in spite of our glaring weaknesses. And we are willing to suffer because the gospel is utterly worth it. The reason Paul was able to suffer and lay down his life for the mission is because he believed Christ and his gospel were worth it. Paul found Christ more desirable, enjoyable, and beautiful than anything else. Even dying was gain for Paul because of the worth he placed on Christ and the gospel. Beloved, you see, religious people find God useful, but cross-bearing disciples find him breathtakingly beautiful. And when Christ is our great aim and our desire, we are willing to be marginalized, scorned, and persecuted because the gospel is our life. And we suffer because Christ has called us with a holy calling. He saves us or justifies us. We are rescued from the awful conditions of sin. But then he sanctifies us. Sanctification. We are called to live holy, pure, and clean lives to the glory of God. God saves us too, sanctifies us. But then also God glorifies us, glorification, where immortality and eternity with him is promised. Jesus says this to the woman at the well, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked the woman. Beloved, the source of our salvation then is not our merit, but God's unmerited favor. It is by grace that we have been saved, not as a result of works. And so it's not grace with a mixture of works. It's all grace. That's why Paul says to the church of Rome in Romans eleven six, For if it is by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Our salvation is not a feeling, but it's a deep belief in God's grace. Feelings will falter, and they will allow us to give in. Feelings change. They come and they go. But belief, stead, rock, belief, firm belief will hold us fast, even through suffering. And ultimately, as we suffer, the gospel is proclaimed. Our suffering is not in vain. That's why Paul says, I suffer this way, and I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard into that day what has been entrusted to me. Our suffering is not in vain, and we will all suffer. The question is, will you suffer for the gospel and with the gospel, or will you suffer as a sinner? But then third, the third exhortation or encouragement is this, we must guard the gospel. Our confidence can be in nothing else but in Christ crucified. Anything else that we put our hope in will utterly disappoint and leave us hollow and empty. We have the guard, the good deposit entrusted to us. The word guard here is like a military term. It's as in a soldier. We're called to guard sound doctrine, not to let the gospel be watered down, tainted, or compromised. Like a soldier, we protect with vigilance the tenets of the gospel and the truth of God's word. Beloved, we live in a pluralistic culture that's trying to water down, it's trying to taint, it's trying to change the gospel, it's trying to say it's archaic, it's trying to say that it has no longer has meaning in life. But beloved, we must guard the gospel because it's the power of salvation. It's by which we are saved. It's our hope. It is the truth. And Paul is saying here he had guarded the gospel. He had spread the good news of Christ's work at the cross and he had planted churches and he had planted believers to be bastions of hope. Now he was discipling and equipping Timothy to carry this work. And by extension, the Lord is entrusting us with guarding the good deposit as well. We must protect the gospel from intruders, from wolves and heretics who either want to add or take away from the good news of salvation in Christ alone, by faith alone. Without compromise, we must study the word, exemplify the teachings of Christ, and we must disciple others to communicate God's word without compromise to a world who so desperately needs it. However, beloved, we ultimately know that it is the Lord himself who is the general and captain of the guard. He will not allow the gospel to be tainted as he will act according to his character and to his faithfulness. So, we cannot be ashamed. We must suffer as a Christian. And we ultimately must guard the gospel. So, Paul ultimately ends this section with a contrast of three men. It's a contrast of boldness and compromise. It's a contrast of religiosity dictated by feelings and unvarnished faith, which never withers in the storm. Phygelus and Hermogenes, two great names that I'm sure you're not going to name your children, but they turned away when suffering and persecution came. Ultimately, they were ashamed of the gospel and chose the suffering of the world. Life in a fallen world assures that we will suffer. 
We're going to either suffer as an unbeliever. We're going to suffer with the pain of this world. In a fallen world, we will suffer. The question is, will our suffering be in vain? Will we suffer with and for Christ? Or will we suffer as a part of our culture? And when we suffer with Christ, it is not in vain, beloved. However, Oniphorus was steadfast, immovable, and not ashamed of Paul's chains. He embraced the suffering and was not ashamed to be counted with Paul. He was working to refresh Paul and to serve the church. We even see in verse 18 when Paul says, May the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And as you well know, all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You see, beloved, when we are not ashamed, when we suffer with the gospel, and when we ultimately guard the good deposit, it won't only help us, but it will ultimately spread. And that fragrant aroma will help others. It will help the church. And the question is, who are we? And do we have an Evaniferous by our side who is loyal to the gospel and hospitable to the saints? Let's seek to be like Oniferous and Paul and Timothy, and ultimately let's seek to be like Christ. You see, Christ followers who are not ashamed of suffering for the sake of Christ, who guard the unwavering hope of the gospel, and who are consistently encouraging one another with the word of the truth, these are Christ followers that will change the world. And so, beloved, as Paul closes out 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he says that we have hope because of the resurrection, he says this, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Thank you for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week we are praying for the country of Peru, specifically for the church families that are in the international adoption process, the children of Peru, and our team. So let's pray. Father God, we do pray for the local church and for the missionaries that are residing in Peru. We just ask that you would unite them and encourage them and embolden them. Father, we pray that they would have unity in mind and mission and message, that would use them for the spread and the proclamation of the gospel, and that they would be bold as they preach this gospel. Lord, we know that in Peru that, that a religiosity, a, a religion of works has been nationalized. But Lord, we pray that the church would, would rise up to share the true gospel and minister to vulnerable families, children in foster care, that the church would rise up to be adoptive and foster, fa- foster families themselves. And oh Lord, we just also pray that as they preach this gospel, that there would be conviction of truth for the people of Peru, that they would come to the glorious grace of Christ Jesus. And Lord, we pray for our families in process of international adoption. We ask that they would be encouraged in this process, that you would make the path straight for them as they move forward. We pray that the the process would become more streamlined. Lord, not that it would avoid the safeguards and the safety rails, but Lord, that it would not make just, Lord, just, just ultimately more time and more red tape that's unnecessary. We ask that you be with families who've already brought their children home from Peru. We ask that you would equip them to love and to disciple and to care for their children well. Lord, would you help them to flourish in all that they do as they love these sweet children that are now their sons and daughters. And Lord, we just ask that you bring more mission-minded families our way that still want to pursue adoption from Peru, that, that, that would be willing to go through this process and offer a home and a family to these children. And Lord, we do pray for the leaders of the country that they would make laws that protect the rights of children in care. We pray for the children in care and the children that are currently homeless. 
Lord, would you reveal yourself to them and provide for their needs? Would you truly be a father to the fatherless to them? And Lord, we just ask that believers would become, would come into their path that would help encourage them and equip them and love them and care for them. And ultimately, Lord, we thank you for the team as well, both our adoption and our orphan care team, for our adoption team of Carla and Farah and Amy Carolina, as well as our unadopted team with David and Oscar. Lord, would you be with them as they evaluate the programs and churches that we work with? Would you be with our adoption team as they look at the future of the program and navigate decisions that are being made moving forward? And would you ultimately help us as we equip the church to your word, to your gospel, to your goodness? Oh God, it's in your great name that we pray. The the, the maker of the children and the people of Peru the one who sustains them, the one who goes before them. Lord God, would you bring your gospel to bear in Peru and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your great name that we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.